0: Bismillah <laughs> ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Assalatu wa salamu ala ashirafil abiyahi wal mursaleen mohammadu rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam tasliman kathiran kathira From Abadu, my brothers and sisters, for a very dear friend of mine sent me a set of questions and asked me to explain some things to him and I thought it has a general relevance for everybody in different ways. So I said to him, I will do it as a, as a khatirah. His question was, he is a scholar. He is a scholar, he is a khatib, he is an imam. And he is a good speaker. But his question was that people ask me to come and do a khutbah suddenly without notice when their regular khatib is not there. So they don't plan, they don't invite in advance. Suddenly, regular khatib is not there, then they call me. And I I think this is very disrespectful. You know, how can they treat me like this? As if I have no importance. Like a spare tire or something, like a stepney. Second uh, question was that when they have the regular khatib then there is a you know the usual stuff there's a poster the picture of the khatib on it and his name and sheikh fulan bin fulan and what not what not he said when they call me obviously i suppose if you just call the man in the you know well, day before or something there's no time or whatever reason he said they don't do all this <coughs> Now his question was that, so I feel bad. I feel bad that they are not respecting me. They are not, uh, you know, they're treating me as if I am some spare part. And uh, <laughs> and so he said to me, he asked me a question. he said, is this a problem with me or is this something that they are doing, which I should, you know, do something about it. Now before I sort of tell you my explanation to that, Important thing to remember for all of us, which is the Hadith of M. He said that the one who does not have affection and kindness for our youngsters, for the youth, for the children, and who does not have respect for the elders and by elders it means by age, by ilm and so on. He said, Nabisalam said, This is not this person is not from us. So very clear hadith and very uh, you know we should think about that. I mean, if you are not respectful of your own uh, your own scholars and your own uh, elders and so on, then there is no place. That person is, you know, Islam is deficient. So obviously yeah, that part of it is clear. Now, how do you look at this? What is the way to look at it? I remember and remind myself of one of the sayings of Imam Shafir Amtulali. Imam Shafir Amtulali said, If you do not want to be hurt by undeserved criticism, Uh, listen to this one. He said, if you do not want to be hurt by undeserved criticism, do not be happy with undeserved praise. Hmm? Do not be happy with undeserved praise. Now, what is the state of most of us? Nobody likes criticism. Criticism... If you say you like criticism, then I say something is wrong with you. You might accept it, you might, you know, somebody criticizes you, you might say, okay, this is a good thing I, I got, but nobody likes it. But undeserved criticism, we get very angry, right? We get, how can you say that? But what about undeserved praise? When people, especially introductions, I mean, introductions are a killer. And I should know, I mean, I've been doing public speaking for now for almost 40 years. When they introduce you, oh, this is so and so and so and so and so and so, this and this and this, we feel very nice. So, said, if you want to be, if you don't want to be hurt by undeserved criticism, don't feel happy with undeserved praise. Now, the question of my friend, people call me at the last minute. The way I see it is, imagine that you are driving. You've got this brand new. Tesla or you know Mercedes Benz or uh, you name your your dream car right this beautiful dream car top of the line fully loaded you're going down the highway and one of your tires bursts right got burst now you pull over to the side and then you go to the back you open the boot at that point, what is the most valuable thing that is in this whole car? If I ask you at that point in time, which is the most valuable thing in this car now? What will you say? The spare, the spare tire. I said, no, 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 no. Come on, you got it all wrong, man. I mean, what spare tire? It's a piece of rubber, right? What about this beautiful onboard computer? <clears throat> what about this thing that talks to you? What about this, you know, the the, the absolutely fabulous upholstery? And You, you said, forget all that. This spare tire is the most valuable thing at this point because without this spare tire, I'm going to be spending the night on this highway. Right? That spare part you need, maybe a little thing, but that little thing is your lifesaver at that point in time. If you didn't have that little thing, all the rest of it doesn't matter. So, one way to look at this is, they call you at the last minute, what does it tell you? You are the most valuable thing in the world. There is nothing more valuable than that. If you did not respond to them, then they are going to have a crisis in their Juma because there is nobody to, to, to do the khutbah. And what will happen? So you are, when they are calling you at the last minute, what does it mean? It means that you are the best thing that happened to them at that point in time. You are the most valuable thing. So should you be happy or should you be upset? Second thing, this issue of Izzah. People don't give me enough respect. So my my simple question is, how much is enough respect? (laughs) How much is enough? You know, I love history. I'm I'm a student of history and I love to read history because history teaches you lessons. They say that the wealthiest man, the richest man who ever lived on the planet was Mansa Musa. He was the king of Mali. And Mali had gold mines and Mansa Musa had mountains of gold. Now Mansa Musa decided to go for Hajj. So now he's going from Mali all the way to Mecca. So he has this big kafila with him, big uh, you know people with him, and entourage and so on and so on and so on. They reached Egypt. So when they reached Egypt, <coughs> who, is the, <coughs> who is the Sultan? Malik al-Kamil Who's Malik al-Kamil? Malik al-Kamil is Sultan Salahuddin Ayyubi's nephew Salahuddin Ayyubi has passed away Nuruddin Zangi before, that, before him has passed away Malik al-Kamil is the ruler of Egypt and Malik al-Kamil was, a, was one of the greatest of, of the rulers I mean, Malik al-Kamil was the one who destroyed the third crusade And after that there were no crusades But at this point in time This is before the third crusade He's there So now Mansa Musa lands up in Khaira, in Egypt. So he's camped there. The ministers from Malik al Kamil's court they come to him and they say, please come and meet the king. So Mansa Musa says, Sure, no problem. They say, but there's a there's an issue. What's the issue? He says the protocol in our Court is that when you come to meet the king, you have to kiss his foot. This is a Muslim king saying this to another Muslim king. Hmm? Protocol is you have to, you're not making sajda, but may, may, maybe in this case, sajda is better. But <laughs> he said, you are, you must kiss his foot, and his foot has a boot, so if you are kissing his shoes. Mansa Musa said, "Go to Allah, I will not do it." Mansa Musa, Black Africa, Malik Al-Kamil, Arab. He said, "I won't do it." Now this went on for almost two to three weeks. Now Mansa Musa's position is not good because he has no army with him. He is going for Hajj. Malik Al-Kamil, that's his kingdom. And if the man was strong enough to beat the crusade, you bet he had, he had some army to talk about, right? So eventually, the ministers and the courtiers of Malikal Kamil, they persuaded Bansa Musa, they said, please, for one thing, just, just come and do it and be done with it, finish, halas. We don't want anything bad to happen to you, we don't know these kings, their minds, suddenly something happens, just do it. So Bansa Musa decided to, he said, okay, he went. And he kissed his foot. And of course, Malik came come Oh, very happy. Oh, mashallah, you are my guest. I mean, if I was there, I would say, man, give me a break. Your guest, you make your guest kiss your foot. What guest? Anyway, so he said, oh, no, no. Now, what did Mansa Musa do? Mansa Musa then started giving charity. Mansa Musa gave so much charity that it collapsed the economy of Egypt for 12 years. For 12 years the price of gold in egypt went to zero there would be bits of gold lying on the street nobody would pick it up like for example if you if you see a piece of iron lying on the ground will you pick it up you won't pick it up that was the state of gold <laughs> so masa gave so much of charity to collapse the economy now my reason i'm saying all this is how much is that do you want how much is that do you want here was Malik Al-Kamil who made this very, very, very rich monarch kissed his foot. Who became Muazziz and mm-hmm. who became Mudil? Huh? You must remember this thing because when we read the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Tu ajzu man but wa tu man Who is the one who gives izzah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody else. People can say anything they want to you. They can say, oh, mashallah, subhanallah, you're, you know, Shaykh ul Akbar, Shaykh ul Kabir, Bahar ul What does it matter? You know it is garbage, <laughs> right? So, why, why do you feel happy about that? And, same way, if somebody says, you know, you are this, this, I don't want to use bad words, but you know that is also garbage. Both are equally untrue. So, why are you bothered? And if you are bothered, what does it say about yourself? That's why I always know my Sheikh, he used to say, you are one sperm. Eh? And because I know something about genetics, I will say you are one sperm that got lucky. Because out of the, God knows, 10 million sperm that your father rejected, father you are the one who got lucky and found an egg and so you came out of the world. What is that is there for a sperm, brother? What do you want to do? Take a sperm and turbo on his head? What is that? That is my, that is my hakika. That is your hakika. That is the of every human being on the face of the earth. Man or woman. One drop of semen. What is that do you want? Hizzat is only inna lizzata lillah. Complete, only Allah. And when Allah wants, lir Rasul, walil mubineen. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, alhamdulillah, we must look at pleasing only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the way to do that is to actively deny everyone and everything else. This is the meaning of La Ilaha Illallah. Deny everything. There is no one who is worthy of worship. There is no one who gives izzah. There is no one who can make you dhalid. There is no one who can honor you. There is no one who can dishonor you. There is no one who can harm you. There is no one who can benefit you. There is no one who can give anything to you. There is no one who can take away anything from you. Illallah. Allah. So it doesn't matter. The world, let them say something, don't say something, makes no difference. You are speaking and you are doing and whatever you are doing is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only one whose approval matters is Allah. And that, when will you know this? When we face Malakul Mahab, not before that. Not before that. Before that, whatever comes, maybe. Some of the ulama have said, mashallah, that if you, without asking if people are, you know, love you and they respect you and so on, inshallah, this is minuahi ta'ala. But this is all conjecture. For sure, when will I know that alhamdulillah, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala liked what I did. When will I know this? Absolutely, certainly, without a doubt, when I die. Not Before. So, until that day, keep working only for the pleasure of Allah. Say, Alhamdulillah. If you are, especially if I'm talking about the people who are, you know, khutbah and so on, who speak and khatib, if you are making a khutbah and very few people come, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Ya Rabbi, because the witnesses against me are only so many. The nature of the human being is what? It's to criticize. is to bear witness against. So, Alhamdulillah, Allah saved me from this fame, from this name. What did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? He said, fame and money. These are the two things. They are like wolves. Two wolves in a sheep pen. What happens with wolves in a sheep pen? They won't kill one. They kill everything. They won't eat it. They just slaughter them in another place he say it's like fire in dry wood nothing is saved so alhamdulillah nobody knows me alhamdulillah when i speak only a few people come alhamdulillah thank allah alhamdulillah if a lot of people come make a lot of istighfar make a lot of istighfar because what did allah subhanahu say no say? إِذَا جَاءَ نَسْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ Then what? وَرَعَيْتَ النَّاسَ How many? يَدْخُلُونَ فِي ذِنِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا Then what to do? فَسَبِّحْ بِعَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرُ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَابِ He is the one to forgive. Make tasbih of Allah and make istighfar. Not to say, Oh, wow, man, Let's see what I did. You know, MashaAllah. Put our Facebook everywhere. Oh, my brother, you know what? So many people accept Islam at my. Inna lillahi wa inna bihamdi Ya whatever good comes, it is only because you gave it. And me, I make istighfar. This is what we are taught. This is what the kalam of Allah teaches us. This is what Rasulullah teaches us. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to correct the ikhlas of our niyat and to fill our hearts with sincerity, with ikhlas, and to make us people who work and who will work only for the pleasure of Allah. Nobody and nothing else. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us among those who will express our gratitude to people, who will respect our elders and our scholars, and who will be affectionate to our children. Both sides are important. But from, from a personal perspective, we ask Allah to keep us in a state where we are not complete equanimity, where we face the world, good or bad, with peace and with equanimity.